This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Did you just hear that screech? No. What was it? (laughs) Apparently Violet's lizard just ate a cricket. Oh. That's sad. <laughs> Not if you're Violet. It's very exciting. <sighs> These minute-to-minute lizard updates are one of the benefits of working from home. <laughs> yes. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to share wisdom we glean from Twitter in the form of tips from lower-level TV writer Jeannie Wong. Then, in Take a Hike, we'll reveal how we make a period of hard work into a party. A slumber party, that is. We also have a musical hit and a flying bomb. And this week's Hollywood hack will make you healthier. But first, Sarah, we want to tell everybody that we are prepping our spring listener questions episode. Yay! So now is the time to send us your questions. You can ask us about anything. Life in Hollywood, TV writing, our friendship, tending chickens. Those (laughs) questions will go to Sarah. Anything you're interested in. So email or send a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And we will answer your question in an upcoming episode. Yes, and you can also post your questions on our Facebook group. Just search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook. We have the greatest Facebook group ever. We do. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, let's dive into From the Treadmill Death 7, which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's tips for lower-level writers, courtesy of TV writer Jeannie Wong. Now, Sarah, we met Jeannie when she was a writer's PA on Vampire Diaries. She has made huge progress in her career since then. Recently, she was a staff writer on a show called Sandokan and Marianne, a historical drama, which so happens to be EP'd by our old friend Scott Rosenbaum from The Shield. Total coincidence, but that's fun. Yes. Okay. So Jeannie has this this Twitter thread, and it's a it's quite long. We're not going to share all of the tips from her Twitter thread. We really recommend you go and read it for yourself. Yes. But we really wanted to discuss some of them because they're so insightful and interesting. Yes. So we'll just read and comment. <laughs> 
Jeannie said, this has been said a million times, but if you pitch something as a lower level, it's knocked down and bring it up again because it wasn't the right timing, etc., and still knocked down. Like Elsa said, let it go. Don't defend or explain, even if you're doing it in a respectful way. It's so cringe. <laughs> I mean, this is something I think people of all levels are guilty of doing at certain times. Yes. It's just one of those things that happens in a room. It, it It's true that ideas can be good ideas 20 minutes after they were a bad idea because things have totally changed. Yes. But yeah, nobody wants to take the time to hear you defend why you pitched something at some point. Yes. The key to a writer's room is just moving on, moving yes. on, moving on. Let it go. <laughs> And Jeannie says, some room's ethos is no idea is bad. Some are the opposite if a strong number two is curating when the showrunner isn't in the room. If your idea gets shot, it isn't personal. I repeat, it isn't personal. In fact, it's an opportunity to bulletproof your pitches to sensibilities, tastes, etc. Step up your game. And Sarah, we say this all the time. If you pitch 100 ideas, 99 will be shot down. And again, that's all levels. That's just how it is. Yes, we shoot our own ideas down as we're saying them sometimes. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> and she's right that if you have a strong number two in the room who's running the room when the showrunner is out, they may take pitches that a showrunner wouldn't take or they may reject pitches that a showrunner would take like you just you just don't know there is it's all subjective I remember yes. Ben Edlund one time when we were in the angel writers room we had been coming up with all of this stuff and Joss came in and was like no none of this works and Ben was like he's right because he's in charge like it's all subjective and ever since then we really have just said you know what we may think it's a great idea that's cool we can pat ourselves on the back but again it's a let it go thing. You just got to keep moving on. Yeah, Sarah, it's why we like running the show, because then we get to determine what the right idea is. Exactly. If we're not running the show, we don't get to determine that. Yes. Now, I thought this tweet was really interesting, Sarah. She says, rooms are like dinner parties. Some parties are like a debate. Some hate conflict. Some are very hierarchical. Some everyone is equal. Identify what dinner party your room is, and it can be different with the showrunner running versus the number two. Oh, my God. I mean, what a great way to think about a writer's room. Like, and I've never right. thought of it that way before. No. Well, and it's really true. Like, for instance, on The Shield, speaking of our old friend Scott Rosenbaum, like on The Shield, it was a debate dinner party. Yes. It was yes. a dinner party where people are yelling at each other, storming out of the room. <laughs> All of that was completely normal. It wasn't yeah. as if anyone was upset if two people were yelling at each other. That's what we did. But there have been other shows which are super polite and no one would ever yell at someone else. And I would say Fantasy Island falls into that category. Exactly. I'm trying to imagine a situation where anyone in the Fantasy Island <laughs> would be like yelling at anyone else. It's just not our thing. And again, the the hierarchical thing. It's true. Yeah. Some In some rooms, the upper levels really want to be doing the majority of the talking. And in other rooms, again, like ours, it's hopefully very much equal. Partly, I mean, we don't have enough people not to have everybody speaking up. Yes, absolutely. 
And this thing that she keeps referring to, we should probably touch on a bit more. So she keeps referring to if the showrunner is running the room or the number two. Yeah. So in television, the showrunner often has to go off and like deal with casting, editing, music, turning in another script, in which case the number two runs the room or whoever's available at the higher level. And that can just change the dynamic. Like what I notice is a lot of times, let's say a staff writer who might feel shy about speaking up in front of the showrunner Mm -hmm. will be very comfortable talking in front of the number two. I know I felt that way when we were on Angel, for instance. Like I was so intimidated by Joss, but I felt totally comfortable with Jeff Bell, the number two. So anyway, so that's what she's referring to there. Yeah. And then her next tweet in the thread is, this is harder for a first-year show, but if you can't capture the voice of a show, at least turn in a script that is formatted to look like the show. If your showrunner loves getting inside actors' heads in action lines, do that. If your showrunner hates long dialogue, don't do that, etc. Wow. I mean, again, so insightful. It's really true. Like, we like a lot of white space on the page. If someone gives us a script that's really dense and just like a thousand words a page, we're immediately going to have a negative reaction. No, we literally have wanted just to say, you know what, let's just tell them to do another pass before we even read it, (laughs) just to take words off the page. Yes. And the formatting thing, I mean, it seems like, who cares? It's not about that. But the thing is, having it in, like, the right format, written the way that the showrunner likes it, makes it easier to read, which makes it easier to give notes on. And that's one thing I think people don't understand. Like, there are things that are easy to give notes on and things that are hard to give notes on. And the less it represents what you're looking for, the harder it is to give notes. Yes. And then, speaking of giving notes, Jeannie writes, everyone gets rewritten. Some shows with a heavier pen, some less. It's not a measure of your own writing or abilities. I know it's hard to hear, but don't take it to heart. I mean, we say it all the time, but it's so, so true. Rewriting is not personal. Right. It is not personal. And again, some showrunners want to completely rewrite a show, others less so. I think you and I are in the middle yeah. We sort of have our thing we do. We certainly don't want to rewrite every word, but we do take a pass on every script. We do. And a lot of what we're doing, because our production needs are so specific, is tailoring yes. a script to production needs and making yes. sure our scripts are the right length for our crew to be able to shoot. Yes. Jeannie says, maybe this doesn't happen to everyone, but be aware you can pick up the writing quirks of a show, like on the nose, in dialogue, or slower character reveals, etc., for better or worse. (laughs) A very good point. Yes. And that, to me, is sort of in the same world as the formatting thing she's talking about. It's like, look at how the showrunner turns in final scripts And do what they do. And it's like, yes, maybe you'd think the dialogue is too on the nose. But if that's what the show does, then that's what the show does. It's not about what you think the show should be. It's about what is the show and providing something that looks like that. Yeah. And Jeannie did say it's harder on first-year shows because on first-year shows, you're really still finding that. 
and it's still being created over the course of the first several episodes. But if you're coming into a show that has a few seasons, you can do this 100% and you should. Such good advice. And then finally, Jeannie says, we've all heard this, but find your superpower outside of what you do well on the page and being in the room. Great at writing casting sides, great to cover set, go to mixes, develop and grow all those skills. And that is, again, a great point. Yes. We know, for example, that we can send Adam Belanoff into editing. And for us, when we are totally slammed with scripts, it's like, okay, that's his superpower. Brooke's superpower is writing a scene that will like hit the emotional points that we need quickly. Like everyone in the room has their thing. And it's so good to know what yours is. And then to your showrunner, be like, hey, if you need someone in a mix, please let me know. Yes, absolutely. So Jeannie, thank you. I feel like we're always looking for exactly this kind of insight because so many of our listeners do want to be television writers. And I'm sure a lot of what she says applies to any job, right? Like certainly the dinner party analogy, which I mean, we are going to be using, you know, for the rest of time. (laughs) applies to almost any office. Like if you're in a conference room and there's 20 people around the table, there are some offices where it's going to be very hierarchical, some where they're going to be inviting debate, some where you should listen and then maybe email somebody a thought later. And the key is just discerning what dinner party are you at and act accordingly. Yes. So I think this is so useful. Also, I want to mention, Sarah, that I think Jeannie started this thread by letting everyone know she is available for staffing. Um, (laughs) And she's obviously incredibly smart and dedicated. So I want to put that out there. And you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at J-E-A-N-E-D-E-V-I-V-R-E. Jeannie DeVive. That's my bad French accent. (laughs) Coming up, this Take a Hike is a real party, but first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, it's time for Take a Hike, in which we discuss physical, mental, or spiritual health. And today it is mental health, specifically how to stay mentally healthy when you've got a lot of work to finish. And our suggestion is, when appropriate, have a work slumber party. Yes. 
So, Sarah, I we were talking about this the other day. I mean, we've had many work slumber parties. <laughs> yes. Even just a month ago, we yeah. had a work slumber party. Maybe it was two months now. But it's where, in our case, it makes a lot of sense because we're writing partners, but you actually stay over at someone's house. You pack a bag. You go to their house. Um, and you work, and then you sleep, and then you can wake up and work some more. But there's something fun about it. You know, you can have wine, you can go to dinner and work at dinner or take a break. And to me, it's that little outside of time thing that makes it, reframes it into more of a party than a grueling, awful work session. Yes. And Liz, you reminded me that we did this for the first time. We're going to date ourselves seriously on this. <laughs> but when we were watching the season one Survivor finale, which, by the way, I didn't even remember was a work slumber party. I just remember watching that, <laughs> that episode with you <laughs> because it was so seminal. It was the season one Survivor finale. Yes. Richard Hatch. Yes, yeah, sir. That is one of my favorite all-time memories of my life, believe it or not, because we had gotten our very first paid gig. We were writing yes. a freelance of a Saturday morning show called Just Deal. And we I came over to your house with my bag, and it was the night of the Survivor finale, but we couldn't watch because we had to work. So you taped it. And we worked on our script. We finished our draft and sent it to her like late into the night. I think it was probably two or three in the morning. And then we sat in your living room and watched the Survivor finale. And I think drank beer. And it was just such a delicious moment in time because it was like we're being paid to write and we get to watch the Survivor finale. It was so fun. And the hilarious thing was that was when we lived like, you know, half a mile from each other. Yes. I wouldn't (laughs) need to have spent the night. Now it makes a lot more sense now that we actually don't live in the same town. (laughs) But I think this would be a fun thing for people to do. Like if you're studying for the bar exam, if you have to write some big report for work, you don't have to be working together to do this. That's the thing. It's just two people who really need to get work done. I mean, I know my sister has gone on a work retreat with a friend who's also trying to get like a draft of a book done or something. But if you can't go away for a few days or you don't want to, you can just go spend the night and have a work summer party. Yeah, it's a great way to reframe something that would otherwise be a grind. Yes. It's a slumber party. Sarah, I keep saying to you, I feel like I'm going to end up coming to Ojai for like five days. I feel like we're going to have to have like a major multi-day slumber party for this last. We'll just have Liz's room. Yes, for this last bit of uh, season two of Fantasy <laughs> Island. Very but possible. We shall see. <laughs> okay, it is time for Hits and Bombs because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs. And Sarah, this week we have such a fun hit. Yeah, It goes to the Fantasy Island composer Genevieve Vincent. Yes. So Genevieve, you know, everyone on our show has a very, very tight schedule. And Genevieve last season, I mean, her schedule was unbelievably tight. And she still managed to turn in a great score for every single episode when she was like, you know, 
she was probably having work slumber parties. Uh, yeah. Just like with her piano. <laughs> and this year, we just got her score for the first episode. And it's so fun. And it's interesting because she like changed up some stuff. And it's really good. And so it's just, it was just so nice to like have it be like her sound, but with some other cool stuff in it. Like it just made it really fun to watch the cut. Yeah, well, and I love that it's not becoming routine for her. You know, as we talk about season one versus season two, totally different, right? And there's a feeling, okay, now it's season two. I know what I'm doing. I I can kind of do the same thing over and over again. But she is not doing that. She's just continuing to approach it with complete enthusiasm and dedication. So we appreciate that. And fun, yes. And I love our sound. So big hit to Genevieve. And then, Liz, you have a bomb, and this bomb is more about manifesting. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so, Sarah, this may not seem all that important, but I am trying to manifest, so I wanted to bring it up. Okay. The bomb is that there is no direct flight from Los Angeles to Puerto Rico. And our understanding is that there used to be, but there is not now. So you either have to fly through Houston or Atlanta or Miami. And of course, it just makes it all much more of a pain. And then you're worried, will you not make the flight? So, you know, you have to decide, do you do a 45-minute layover and possibly miss the next flight? Or do you do the three-hour layover, but then have to sit in the airport in Miami for three hours? So I am hoping to manifest, Sarah a direct flight to Puerto Rico. I support this obviously entirely. Now, last time we flew through Charlotte, so it was like we went north and then we went west. It was like the longest possible way to get home. Yes. And yes, we we would, especially for our actors who come in and yes. there are most of them flying from LA, it would be yes. so much better if there was a direct flight. Yes, our show is a very heavy guest cast show, which means a lot of people have to fly in. And it just makes all the difference in the world when you don't have to get off. I don't know what it is, but it is such a mental difference. So hoping for that, and we know I have great powers of manifestation. You do. I manifested us shooting a show in a tropical location. (laughs) I manifested us doing a show that uh, based on like a big IP. Yes. So... I'm hoping I can follow through with that and get us this direct flight. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm crossing my fingers and my toes, Liz. Okay. Coming up, Liz's Hollywood hack is a vitamin solution, but first this break. Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. This is something that you've discovered recently and have been doing. What is it? Yes. Okay. It is keeping vitamin D gummies at your desk. So let me explain. Most people are have insufficient vitamin D. I am not a big vitamin taker, but at my doctor for years, every time I get my blood work done, you know, my annual checkup, he says, you have to take vitamin D. We really need vitamin D. And it's for whatever reason, most people don't have enough of it, even though we live in California where there's a ton of sun. And so I've, over the years, I've bought so many different bottles of vitamin D and somehow I've never managed to fully incorporate it into my routine. So what I have done now, Sarah, is I got vitamin D gummies, which taste really yummy. It's just like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's basically like eating a gummy bear 
and I keep them on my desk. And that way, when I want a snack during the day, I say, oh, I'll take my vitamin D. So it's a nice, lovely snack. It doesn't really matter when you take them. It's not like you have to take them first thing in the morning. But at some point in the day, I'm going to want those two gummies, and that's my vitamin D dose. And now I take my vitamin D every single day. Nice. I love this. This is such a great solution. And it's interesting because recently there was an article that came out saying that the two supplements that people genuinely need that genuinely like extend your life and help you are vitamin D and omegas. Everything else is controversial and who knows, but like vitamin D and omegas are the big ones. So You need Omega gummies. Okay. So next question, do they have Omega gummies? I'm sure they do. Adding that to my grocery list. One thing I was thinking about, Sarah, though, is a reason I get such happiness from this is because I feel like we are in a season of sacrifice right now. And so I get a happiness boost from just doing this one little healthy thing. It gives me that feeling of control that is hard to come by right now when we are just barely hanging on by our fingers. And they're tasty. And they're tasty. That's all good. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Remember to send those questions for our upcoming spring listener questions episode. And thanks for listening. Please follow us if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, king of remote recording still. And thanks to everyone at Sencola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sencola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at SFain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. So, Liz, I was unpacking boxes this weekend, and I found the, like, original editor's notes on our first book, No way. Oh, my gosh. I want to see those. Did you keep them? I have to admit I didn't. I was like, okay, it's time to recycle these. I've moved so many times. I can't believe I've carried them around so much. Oh, my God. (laughs) I should have taken a picture. Tell me about them. Okay, I will. (laughs) From the Onward Project.